It not necessarily. Um, Kansas City not really known for their cocktails. <laughs> let's put it that way. Uh, Maybe we should just swiftly you know. move on. Maybe I'm, I'm dwelling on the wrong thing. Hello and welcome to episode 204 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. It's Saturday the 10th of February. Hope you've had a good week and you are well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. I'm your host Ian Truscott. I'm not a rock star but I'm a three-time CMO and trusted marketing advisor. With the help of my guests and chums, I want to share the marketing street knowledge that I hope will inspire your inner rock star. Come and say hello. You can find links to me and my guests in the show notes at rockstarcmo.com or on LinkedIn at rockstarcmo. And we are proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. This week in the marketing studio, Jeff Clark and I will be discussing the value of educational content marketing. And in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar, I'll join Robert Rose for a Super Bowl cocktail and our thoughts about making room to encourage creativity in your team. But first... We need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Right, it's time for my weekly free consulting session with our resident strategy advisor, former Forrester Research Director, Jeff Clark, in the Rockstar CMO Marketing Studio. How are you doing today? Come on in to our studio. Thank you, mate. I'm doing all right. Thank you very much. How are you? How's sunny Massachusetts? Well, it is sunny. Uh, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's still winter, but it is sunny, and we've had a stretch... We had a stretch of like, you know, seven gloomy gray days, you know, when the sun's not coming up yeah. early and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden we switched to a stretch of sunny, seven sunny days. So, wow. Nice. Yeah. We've been having, um, we've been having similar, some nice, I think last time we spoke, it was, a, it was, no, I think last time we spoke, it was a gray day if I remember last week. Uh, so we've had some of that, but today it was bloody raining all day and, but on the positive, I did go into the into the big London, and uh, and met with uh, my chum Benedict Benedict Hum, who, if you remember, shared that report we talked about last week, which so is an awesome report. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from Metia. So if um, folks are interested, so that was like eight B two B marketing trends. So if anybody's interested in that, lovely of Benedict to share it. If you want to go back to last week's episode and listen to that or i think we've it's been quite well received on linkedin as well it's been it's been quite did you nice did you talk so. to about aunt benedict about how eight is eight's too many you know you got you <laughs> and you need f in five you need f in five <laughs> or you could go with the sexy six or the whatever or the lucky seven but you know eight's too many <laughs> <laughs> I let them keep their brand, man. The effing thing is ours. <laughs> <Right. 
But yes, uh, they should keep it to five. It make it easy to remember. <laughs> Mind you, we only plucked out five ourselves, didn't we? So uh, they could have just gone with that. But anyway, so let's get back to uh, the topic of this week. I think last week we made a promise that we were going to talk about um, we were going to talk about educational content marketing uh, because you've been inspired by, and I've got to get this right, the Collective Fifty Four Pro Serve podcast that you've been listening to. I've never heard of that before. It sounds rather good. And uh, Greg Alexander interviewed somebody called Andrea Fryer, who we both. Well, I know of her. I think you actually know her, don't you? I do yes. Yeah. And it got us thinking, we were chatting about this uh, conversation. It got us thinking about educational content marketing. I wrote a blog about it, a blog post about it, because I'd had that similar experience with a vendor. You can read all about that in the blog. Um, and the fact you need to get this balance between being useful and helping people or boring them and treating them like, as I put it, fucking idiots. Um, so what say you, Jeff? What did you learn from this podcast? Well, it, it was... Um... I thought it was interesting. I mean, it, the, um, the podcast, you know, it's pro, pro serve. It's about, it's for people in professional services. So one of uh-huh. the things that he had found out, uh, from Andrea was that, you know, she's got basically what is a professional services business. And, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, she went from, you know, over six years, she went from, you know, just starting up to $5 million in revenue, uh, uh, without making a sales call. And, wow. and it's like, whoa, how that, you know, so that was <laughs> like, how that, that happen? Yeah. And, um, so she has, you know, her, her term for her, her process is uh, content driven inbound marketing. Nice. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's just, she says it's much more about the audience and about solving people's problems than is talking about yourself or your product, right. blah, blah, blah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. basically, it's, you know, it's improving the way you do business development. Um, and solving the business or helping to solve the business problems up front mm-hmm. as opposed to after the sale. Uh, yeah. You know, here's what we promise. And now we're going to deliver now that we've you've cut the check. Um, and, uh, you know, so you know, it's it, it's it, I mean, it talks about a lot of the, the tactics or she talks about mm-hmm. a lot of the tactics that we talk about all the time, you know, doing blogs, mm-hmm. newsletters, training, speaking at events and and things come to her either through form fills on her website mm-hmm. or and she's got lots of assets and newsletters and things that that people can subscribe to the website or she actually does education you know she runs yeah. classes workshops you know two days three days that's how i met her i took one of her i think three-day agile marketing workshops oh, cool. yeah. back in my er- earlier days at serious decisions and um uh but that's kind of like that brings in the business Nice. Yeah. You looked at this and you looked at the blog post that I'd written and you're applying our, I've got to get this right because the way that we're terminologying this is you're going to apply our five F in fundamentals, the master plan, the knowledge, the story, the campaign, the machine to this idea that Andrea shares. Um, So shall we start with the first? What's the plan, Jeff? Yeah. Yes. And I I think it, uh, it, I mean, since this is, this is her marketing, you know, it's like, well, then the five fundamentals of marketing should uh, mm. should actually should actually work in the context of what she's doing, and you know we're, we got to think. I, hopefully, we'll have some examples that are kind of beyond just her particular use case. But you know, the, one of the questions in your master plan you've got to kind of ask yourself is: Is education your product? Which is, I mean, that is in in Andrea's case, that yeah. is one of her products. Is it yeah. central to addressing the needs of her prospects? So, you know, you get something that's relatively new 
like agile marketing was five or six years ago or like, you know, so many different types of technology, AI, you know, so is education central to addressing the needs of the prospects because they're in a point where it's like, I need to wrap my head around this. You know, what, what's, you know, I, I need, before I, before I can actually solve my problem, again, I need to know more about, about how this could do it. Or yeah. is education simply a post purchase requirement? So therefore, you know, you wouldn't, this would not necessarily be part of your or central to your marketing. Um, so as I said, in, in the case for Agile Sherpas, you know, she offers training. So it's, it is a product, but that's not where most of the money comes in. The money comes in consulting, which is the follow on that says, okay, I want you to come in. I want you to help train a scrum master. I want you to help, you know, the mm. teamwork, you know, what, how are the processes working? Can you, you know, a lot of making agile marketing work is getting everybody on the team to have a, a level of understanding. And, th- and we actually, uh, one of the things I was thinking of, of other examples of, of where this comes into play is, you know, we did this when I was at Serious Decisions in Forrester. I mean, we'd have workshops. Certainly we did webcasts. Everybody does webcasts. But, you know, we would do workshops where we'd bring people in. We're going to do a day or two days on, you know, campaign uh, strategy, you know, planning, planning implementation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so you're bringing in prospects, you're bringing in some clients, maybe early stage clients. And it's like, oh, and then you find out, oh, this is actually going to lead to a consulting gig or more advisory yeah, subscriptions yeah. or whatever. Um, but I think there are other, I think there are other examples out there. Certainly, I mean, I remember, uh, you know, like the days when, you know, Java.net were relatively new, you know, and the, the big platform companies that, you know, where they were doing all kinds of training because they're trying to sell software development kits. They're trying to sell deployment license. You know, they're trying to like get it. So, yeah, yeah. so education becomes key to, um, helping the customer on their journey and then solidifying them as a client that's going to do follow on business with you. Yeah. I like, I like the point that you're making there. And I, I, I sort of didn't add it to, to the notes of when we we're preparing to this. Cause I think the challenge, you know, I'm, I'd be interested in how, um, maybe Andrea and other people have, have handled this is, when your product is knowledge, how much do you give away in the pre-sale and how much do you give away? I mean, that must be quite the challenge that, that we all have, right? Now, our, I think, position, without speaking for you, Jeff, is I think that we would probably, uh, particularly based on the conversation we had two weeks ago about gated content, we'd probably err on being more generous. I think that I don't think you need to worry about the fact that people may maybe you'll put all your frameworks out there and everything people will read them but they'll still hire you to implement them or to help you with them you're building trust right just be just because you've given them enough tools that they could do it themselves doesn't mean they can do it themselves or will do it themselves i mean i can go to a hardware store and um and do plumbing but where am i going to do it or am i going to hire somebody else to come in and do it so i think that's an interesting point that you were making there um but also i mean when it comes to goals uh, when when it comes to the master plan, sorry, when we talk about the master plan, Jeff, we're often talking about goals and leveling those up. Where do you think educational content sits within that? How do we contextualize this work stream within the goals of the business? Well, I think that's where you have to you and this get a little bit into our next point is like it, yeah. when you understand the um, the journey that the customer is going on and where they're going for information 
And then, and I, one of the things that Andrea talks about on the webcast is kind of like the conversion of, mm-hmm. of, you know, people consume content for free or they sign up for a subscription. Okay. Now I know them. Now I, can I pull them into a workshop? They're actually paying me some money. Yep. I'm not going to make yep. a ton of money off it, but they're paying for me that time. And then, okay, how many people within a workshop can I then take in and, and do consulting mm-hmm. with? Mm-hmm. So you've got all of these various conversions along the journey, right. which, I mean, as I was thinking about this, this is, it's a tough thing. You're not going to find any, uh, you know, uh, benchmarks from consulting yeah, organizations yeah. like Forrester or Gartner that says, here's, <laughs> here's yeah, how the yeah. education process works, because it's going to be so unique to your business. Yeah. But yeah. you got to kind of like set up, you know, yeah. start with some expectations, measure yeah. And then, and then re- yeah. set your goals based on what you think. What's it take if I want to be a five million dollar yeah. consulting business? What's it take for me to get from the the mm. the inbound I'm getting early to to that point? Mm. Yeah, and I I mean we're gonna get to the campaign part of it in a moment once we've moved off of point number one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I completely agree with you. And the other thing as well is is that educational content is often recommended to people as it's good for SEO. So it's good for the vanity metrics. It drives traffic and all oh, yeah. that kind of good stuff yeah. as well. Um, and I also think that this bit of the planning that you do at the beginning is going to be so dependent on the category you're in. So we've just discussed professional services and training. But I think for, for a lot of organizations, this is also going to be about product-led growth, isn't it? We want to educate them on how to use our most complex parts of our product so that then the product becomes sticky and all that kind of stuff. Plus, <laughs> I know that we're going to try and move off of point number one, but plus um, the, um, some marketers, and you feel for them, have to educate the buyer on the problem because they're the first into a category. They're early, they're early yeah. or they're trying to change the concept of the category, which was and very relational to what the example you used with Andrea and Agile Sherpas, which is what HubSpot needed to do right with that inbound marketing. They were creating a category, so they needed to do years of education of people to get that inbound marketing term which andrea has also used um in so that's interesting so anyway so that so on the topic of knowing stuff what's your second fundamental one i already know it because i know what, you know, if, we're, if we're going too long we can go you can speed the tape up on the next <laughs> <laughs> so i think the next the next one is well it's all we call it the knowledge so it's researching yeah. understanding the needs and i think one of the things that's really important here is you need to have intimate knowledge of what the customer needs and their and the journey they're going through because this is where you, you yeah. kind of match the education you can provide to to what is going to be their entry into 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 working with you and there was another mm-hmm. example that I, I i i forgot to mention on the previous point which i can bring up here um so i, I work with a client that, that is a managed service provider and they do a lot of work around cybersecurity and you know cloud mm-hmm. and networking all kinds of things but when it came to cybersecurity there are a lot of customers in their base that, um, uh, or, and or prospects that, you know, mm-hmm. just, I mean, they don't know where to start. It's like, yeah. And, yeah, and so, yeah. so we would do training on the, um, the NIST National Institute of Statistics and Technology or Science and Technology. Yeah. They have a framework on, on how to deal with cybersecurity. And it goes through a whole kind of process view of understanding, you know, where you can detect and understand what's going on from a cyber risk perspective and, and uh, you know, and, and take whatever, you know, recommended actions are. And there's yeah. process and there's technology involved in that. And obviously, um, you know, 
the company, the client I had was, you know, they're the ones that provide that both mm. the, the, you know, the, the technical expertise to do consulting and they, they sell all the, um, you know, the different platforms and tools that can help, uh, you know, yeah, a customer. Yeah. And so by, in that case, they were providing free education to, yeah. you know, well, a group of IT people that were in, yeah. uh, in private schools and, and, and it's like, these are people that, that don't, they have enough staff to be dangerous, but they don't have quite yeah, enough yeah. to be really <laughs> expert on Experts. this. Yeah, so yeah. by being the expert and, and giving them the free information, you're setting yourself up to be the person yeah. who can provide the, 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 the paid gigs. Absolutely. I mean, that was, the, that was also, you know, the, the point I was making is that sometimes you need to educate your buyer on the problem, right? And make them, um, make them realize the danger they're in or the pain that exists or the benefit they could get or any of that. That's part of what marketing is, isn't it? Is educating them. So I guess that you, you're showing them how hard this is. And how about some help? You know? yeah, right. so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like that. So we're, we're order so forms we're, are in the back of the room. <laughs> yeah. So we're, so we're on our usual advice about understanding your buyer persona and their needs. And in this specific sort of case, it's understanding their educational needs. So what do they need to know, isn't it, around this stuff? But also, I was thinking about as we were as we were prepping for this is also adjacent topics they might be interested in to engage with, which might help with the buying process or might help understand the problem or frame it or, or set it up. I once um, worked with a really good government sales guy at the beginning of my software career because I'd worked in government. I ended up as in pre-sales, getting lumped together with the government sales guy, right? And um, but what I liked was his part of his skills was helping the buyer with procurement, as he'd been through so many government procurement processes the buyer often never had right it was their first time they needed a content management solution they'd never bought anything before and this guy could come along and say well here's how your process works and uh, and that was really valuable to them so I think there are adjacent topics maybe you need to look at with the buyer about helping them you know buy maybe or maybe yeah. help them express the problem internally or something like that i think is interesting so we've done the the plan the master plan we've done the knowledge and so we move on and i should know our model we move on to the story so tell us about the story Jeff. <laughs> you don't have to read the notes <laughs> you know the, um, I know the model so i'm going to i'm going to quote from uh the uh the uh, the blog that you mentioned earlier that you posted uh, earlier mm-hmm. this week which it, you say Aside from getting our education in front of the buyer early, we need content that is additive to the conversation the buyer is already having. When when they do make contact, we need to be ready with the good stuff. And so so this is, I mean, in our last podcast, we were talking about, you know, the some of the stats from the trends report that Metier mm-hmm. had. And it's like, you know, not only are people contacting us, you know, late, late. from a from a sales perspective, they're 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 not even trying to connect with us at all until they have it pretty well figured out. You know, they're going to have their mm. list of vendors. They're going to have their questions to like finalize their decision. And so this is this is where education really helps you be uh, up. You know, helping way early in the in the in their decision making process mm. and when they're doing their research. So you kind of have to map out. And this is one of the things I think Andrew does a very good job of. of going through in the podcast is like, you know, so when you understand what the the person's, the potential uh, customer's journey is, then it's like, you got to start mapping your content out. What kind of things do they need early? What kind of things do they need as they're going down to the next stage? You know, so as they're, as they're doing their thought process, 
help provide that content. So you take them and lead them all the way, you know, mm. to where you can either, you know, bring them into a class and potentially make some money there, but also bring them into selling your products and services. And, um, you know, and so, you know, and there's, this is where one of the other things that she mentions, which we often talk about is you kind of build, you know, a core piece of content. She called it a pillar piece of content. And then you figure out how you can, you know, put that into bite-sized pieces, reuse the content. You know, you got an ebook or something. So that gets repurposed in blogs. You do your podcast, you make us part of your training sessions. Um, so you're not, you know, you're trying to make sure you do it effectively and efficiently and earning trust all along the way because they're hearing a consistent educational message from you. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm consulting with a client at the moment. And one of the things that, and they're looking at their, this isn't just specific to educational content, but they're also looking at their, their messaging and they're trying to redevelop their messaging. And I'm saying, what feedback are you getting from the field? What feedback are you getting from your customers? What are the frequently asked questions? And that's exactly when it comes to education, frequently asked questions from your customers is, is key and it? it's that's the golden stuff right and i completely agree with the journey thing you 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 mentioned there and that was the challenge i was writing about in my blog post that's what inspired my blog post because you know it was clear to me they only had basic content about the basics of their category so the nurture sequence that they were sending me they weren't getting any deeper with the topic they were kind of getting thinner and sort of offering me yeah. different stuff but they basically all they seemed to have in my um in my uh plain language was the ladybird <laughs> the ladybird book for idiots and i don't know whether the ladybird book translates to the u.s but basically in the, in the u.s a, when you say ladybird we think of uh, uh lyndon johnson's wife so <laughs> oh okay well well if you think of like it's a it's a series of books from when i was little um and they were all in the same style with the same cover style and they were called ladybird books and they would educate you about various things now there's grown-up versions that are kind of satirical on on various things like my wife bought me the uh, Ladybird book for hipsters when I joined a London agency. It tells you all about hipsters in a funny way. But anyway, we've gone down a tangent there. But maybe, maybe the better idea there, maybe the better analogy is an idiot's guide. So they were basically sending me an idiot's guide and the nurture sequence didn't go any deeper. And absolutely, as we discussed, there's a place for that, right? In, in awareness, top of funnel and SEO. But we need more than that. And I think that's what you're saying here with the story, isn't it? Is map that all of that stuff against the journey about how what it what content we need to move people through the journey to educate them and what is it that when they're really close to us we want to be educating them on i like that okay so (laughs) we're doing all right i mean we're we've done three (laughs) So, so we move on to the fourth which as everybody knows our model uh is the campaign so how what do we how do we put this campaign together jeff well, it's, it's how does education fit into your, you know, your integrated campaign strategy? Um, you know, and again, again we're, we're, we've, we've touched on this a little bit when you talk about the journey and the fact that there's going to be different types of content that they're consuming. Well, there's different types of interactions as well. And so you've got to kind of build out that, that uh, integrated campaign strategy and figure out where the, I mean, you're, I mean, this is where the term education kind of cuts two different ways. One is you are, you're trying to, through the whole journey, educate the customer. But at some point you might actually do true education where it's like somebody's going to sit down and, you know, over a period of days, hours, whatever it is, you know, start to learn more deeply 
about about how they're going to solve this problem. And so that's where where, where does that fit into my integrated campaign strategy? Um, and that kind of maps back to the, orig- the original question of why. I mean, is this your business education? Is this yeah. a, a, a leader, a, a lost leader or a leader yeah. into another form of business that's where you're really making your money? Or is this something that happens after the fact that the, the after the sale? Um, yeah. And um, but I, I so I think you've got to address that question, figure where it fits into the campaign strategy. And then um, I think you've got to also figure out how you're going to be consistent in your communication. So, you know, again, you know, if you're if, if you're building off of a, uh, you know, out of a core piece of content, you, your messaging has got to be consistent from those early stage interactions all the way to the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also you've got to be, this is one of the things Andrea offered a warning on is you got to be consistent in terms of the timing of your communications. Yeah. If you, if once you capture the contact information from an individual, whether it's email, phone, whatever text, then, you know, how are you connecting with them? And is it biweekly, monthly, quarterly? She says, don't, you know, don't try to over schedule yourself. So you, you got to maintain yeah. the consistency because if you try to build a schedule that you personally can't execute on, then that is a way of actually losing trust yeah. with the customer. Yeah. And I think that, um, that's why sort of the first three steps are so important, isn't it? Because then the campaign should just write itself. And I think to your point there and perhaps to Andrea's point is that, um, and this is just basic content marketing, isn't it? Is, is that if you're, if you're then going to make a promise of a newsletter every week, you better make sure you've got a content plan that supports that or an education plan that supports that and it matches to your customer journey and all that kind of stuff. If, if you can't do that, then commit that it's a month or, or whatever it is, right? You make sure those things are in sync. So I think that's completely right. And like I say, I think it should just write itself. You know, once you have the goals, the plan, you have that mapped out onto the journey, I think it just, it does, doesn't it? It just, it naturally appears, right? And I think one of the things that we mentioned just a moment ago as well that I wanted to point out here with the campaign is is to encourage people to be generous um, at this point, right? So less gated and, and, and because the CTA is slightly different, which the, the call to action isn't to sell something. The call to action is to educate somebody. So we need to be really careful with that subtlety of that, right, is that, is that the, the, the idea of this campaign is to get somebody educated to, to buy, to be better at buying, or to realise they have a problem. It isn't necessarily to buy, I think. And uh, unless you're, in Andrea's case, it's a very simple, because she sells services and training, so it probably is. But you, if, you're a, if you're a software business, it's a slightly different exactly. action, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and one of the things that come in, and we're, we're completely well over time, but one of the questions that came out from this, I was thinking about when we were talking about education and to my point that I was just making is, and I'd like your opinion on this, Jeff, what, um, is there a risk here that you, you create a, you create this kind of program and you put the, you, 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 you decide on the investment, you do all this, you get to this point and an executive says to you, well, you know, if we educate the buyer, they'll go and buy from somebody else. And uh, you know, what, what's your view on that? If, if an executive came and said that to somebody, well, I would say one is we, you know, we we need smart buyers out there. Mm. Um, and depending where you are in in terms of your maturity of the market, you know, if you're early, if this is a market that's developing mm. in its early stages, then you need to do a lot of education. If you get into more yeah. of a 
you know, market that's well established, then yeah. that may not certainly if if your products are um, uh, not generic, but basically it's like you know you could buy the same stapler from every you know five different <laughs> vendors, and yeah. uh, you know then it's it's you know it, you've it's got a, a different problem. You got a very different problem. Yeah, but yeah. I think in general, what you're trying to do is you're trying to set yourself up as the trusted vendor. So yeah. by educating the customer, yeah. you not only make them a better buyer, but you set yourself mm-hmm. up as the trusted vendor, much as the. Yeah. You know the cybersecurity training I was talking about uh, earlier. Or HubSpot example. I mean, yeah, it's actually my example because years ago when I started in markets, you know, shifting my career to marketing, I started reading a lot of HubSpot content way before I was able to influence a HubSpot deal. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like, and so you naturally go to HubSpot versus Mm. Mailchimp or somebody else. Yeah, Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's uh, so that uh, we're on to our fifth. So we're on the home straight. So the fifth fundamental for us is the machine. So tell us how we apply the machine to this. Well, this is the, uh, the this is the marketing ops category or the operations mm-hmm. category. So you know, measurement, technology, process, data, all of the sort of the main components yeah. of of your operations that really you know the me- the mechanics to support. Um, you know, training education are actually fairly simple or, and, and so I would say there, you know, there's a low cost of entry because you don't need a, a ton of technology. You certainly need an ERM and a CRM system you may have that already. You're going to have a website. You want to know your web analytics. You want to have integration there. So you, you could be able to do your convent conversion metrics. If you're yeah. doing, you know, um, if you're running, training classes and events and stuff like that, then you want to have an event management software that integrates with your mm. integration, uh, integrates with your CRM. Uh, Andrea talks a lot about using ChatGPT to brainstorm content, ideas, outlines, mm. but not write content because yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't want it to be too generic. Um, and I think, you know, from a process perspective, it is, it is about that conversion funnel. Mm. I know we don't often like to use the term funnel, but that is the common vernacular. It's, We're it's trying to get people yeah. from, yeah. you know, what's yeah. the handoff from very early engagement or maybe unknown yeah. to people registering, people like downloading things, sign up for newsletters, all the way to mm. uh, to where we're closing, you know, professional services deal. Mm. And um, from a data perspective, you know, you've you've got to put it, since you need to know how everything is working, the integration of your tools and having a consistent res- repository, whether that's in the CRM system or another uh, data management system is absolutely necessary. You do not want to make this, particularly for small businesses, a manual job. You want to be automated as much as possible. Yeah, and and that's interesting, isn't it? Because actually the smaller the business, the more automation you can bring in, the better. But it's often the smaller businesses that don't really figure that stuff out, right? And think, oh, no, it's fine. We'll use a spreadsheet or whatever, you know, and it's dreadful. And also in the notes, um, and I know you didn't just mention them, but I thought it was interesting because we didn't collaborate on this beforehand, but you mentioned Spark Toro and and they've got a new version coming out. And I've been playing with Spark Toro and that's for audience research and understanding what people are talking about. And I think that's a really interesting idea as well. Um, to to understand, you know, what are the questions that are being asked on the internet today about your category or topic? And I know SparkToro isn't the only solution out there for that. There's um, Ask the, what's that tool? Ask 
anyway, there's there's all. I'll, I'll I'll try and remember and add some links into the show notes. All right. So and also, oh yes, there was my point on this one was that this is a great opportunity to engage with professional services, right? Education support teams because they also may have an e-learning platform. So it might be that you can put some budget or effort and help or create some content to offer some free courses that will not only help you sell your product. I know that in our examples, a lot of the product we've been talking about has been sales and services, but if it is a software product, but it also could benefit the buyers and the customers by you creating some of these sort of how-to things. So I think that's also part of the machine, isn't it? Our e-learning platform. If Absolutely. All right. So that's not bad. I mean, half an hour. Thank you very much, listener, if you're still listening. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. So to summarize, we'll create a master plan. We'll get the knowledge. We'll create the story. We'll plan the campaign and we'll run the machine, as is our five effing marketing fundamentals. So it only remains to discuss what the song is going to be. Well, hopefully week, people have stuck around to listen to what the song is, because we're going <laughs> to, you know, you got to go to school. That's what yep. education is all about. So why not? play out with the school of rock from 2003 from the cast jack black and the rest of the cast of the movie school of rock if you want to be teacher's pet better get to school on time i love it yeah and i quote um from that movie on the website and saying that you've got to feel it from your blood and gut yeah i've probably got that quote completely wrong so great we'll play out with the school of rock and are you going to be in the studio i'll be i'll be right i'll be here Good, and you'll be on time, and you'll be the teacher's pet. Yes. Or I'll be the teacher's pet. Bye. I'll see you next week, mate. See ya. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Maybe we was making straight A's, but we were stuck in the dumb days. Don't take much to memorize your life. I feel like I've been hypnotized. And then that magic man, he come to town. Woo-wee! That was a tiny slice of School of Rock by Jack Black and the cast of the movie. And that podcast that inspired Jeff there was the ProServe podcast from Collected24. And I will, of course, include a link to it in the show notes. Right, it's that time of the week to wind down in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and join Chief Troublemaker, the content advisory, Robert Rose, for a cocktail and a marketing thought. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend, and welcome to the weekend, and welcome to the bar. Uh, I, you know, I, not that this is a big weekend for <laughs> you there in the UK, and no. but um, although I think the NFL is getting a little more yeah. popular there, I, I think yeah. with all the yeah. with the games that they're playing there, et cetera, maybe mm. a, a tiny bit more. But anyway, the, here in the US there can be nothing other than discussion about the Super Bowl this weekend. Um, but uh, so we have to talk a little bit about it, but and we have a cocktail to, to celebrate it. But yes, this is the big, the big weekend for yeah. the big game, the, the superb owl, as we like to call it because of the copyright <laughs> notions of the NFL. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> so uh, yeah, well, they, they used to be, they used to be very, uh, they used to be very, draconian about it i mean they would uh-huh. come down hard it's it's been less of that 
these these days right. um, about people saying the the actual name of the big game and and all of that. <laughs> but you used to get your hand slapped pretty regularly if wow. if you if you did that. But uh, like I said, not not that much anymore. But yes, it is the big game. And mm-hmm. to uh, celebrate, we have a cocktail now. For those of you who are regular listeners of this show and the bar. Mm-hmm. You'll know that I can't stand San Francisco. Um, <laughs> I, I really do have a, a special place uh, in the dark part of my heart for that team. Um, and so I will be rooting very quietly <laughs> because I don't <laughs> love Kansas City either. But um, I will be rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs mm-hmm. uh, to win yet another Super Bowl. Um, they seem to be the dynasty uh, over the last few years. And this is called a Kansas city horse feather. The, the drink Ooh. that we're having tonight. Yeah. Um, and it's a really interesting, it's a great drink, even though it's a, uh, an awful football team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tell us how you really feel, Robert. Um, anyway, it's you're a wonderful a, you're combination. You're in a terrible bind, aren't you? With these yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, let's play some poker. Um, so, uh, it's a combination of rye, uh, mm-hmm. a good rye whiskey, um, and then this is going to sound weird, I know, but it, it, it works. Trust me. So it's rye whiskey, a little ginger beer uh, mm-hmm. or ginger ale if you're here in, in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, bitters, uh, and lemon. And it's a really simple little wow. drink to make. So basically you take whatever your preferred sort of portion of Mm -hmm. whiskey is you know one and a half ounces you know however you like to however you roll um (laughs) and then basically a good amount um let's call it four parts of ginger beer or ginger ale um and then a little angostura uh bitters Uh and then a lemon wedge squeezed in there fill that all up into a uh well, you can do it a couple of ways. You can you mm-hmm. can put it into a mixer all and shake it up and and make it a little bit of a of a pour thing. But because it's fizzy um, yes. with your ginger beer, you can also just pour all of that into a big highball glass and fill it full of ice and uh, nice. and a, you know and stir it up and and away you go. And it's a it's a great it is a great game day you know depending on uh-huh. your you know your your sport of choice game day drink but it's also wonderful just as to sit and uh and have as a as an early after early evening late afternoon cocktail and what a name i, I mean i don't always ask you about this but um why, why is it called the kansas city horse feather is that your name for it or is this an actual this that is a name i found online i was actually wow. looking for yeah no mm-hmm. i was actually looking for super bowl themed drinks yes. cocktails yes um, and most of them looked like crap. Um, <laughs> and this was the first one that I found that didn't like look ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's a very similar drink to a Moscow mule really. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, uh, so that's, I think where the, the, the sort of name comes mm-hmm. from yeah, with, yeah. uh, with Kansas city and sort of the, what would the Kansas city version of a Moscow mule be called? Well, a horse feather might be it. Mm-hmm. um so there you go yeah and is is it is kansas um more is more of a rye whiskey place and a bourbon place then it not necessarily um, um kansas city not really known for their cocktails let's put it that way <laughs> uh, maybe you know. we should just swiftly move on maybe i'm, I'm dwelling yeah. on the wrong I mean, thing here <laughs> that's right you know they they do barbecue the wrong way they do most everything the wrong way but uh um 
Yeah, it's, it's not an area uh, I know. I mean, all the um, Kansas City fans are going to, you're going to get letters for this. For sure. <laughs> well, yeah. I think like 70% of our audience are in the US. So it's, it's, people will know what you're talking about, which is good. And um, the, um, and obviously, I mean, we, I've lived in, we've lived in the US and the Super Bowl, we know how big the Super Bowl is. I think it's fantastic. And also, you'll be pleased to know that um, my trademark application for Rockstar CMO has come through from the British thingamajiggy so soon i can be litigious about people saying rockstar cmo <laughs> well there you go yeah well congratulations That's my retirement on that. plan <laughs> there you go all right so we're drinking these kansas city horse feathers are we watching the super bowl um or are we just chatting and oh of course we have to you know we have to go to the what has now become, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, you can call it football con or NFL con, you know, uh-huh. it's just basically comic con, which is in Vegas <laughs> this whole week. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So I think we have to go to Vegas, yes. do all the things. Yeah. Um, I actually do want to go to Vegas and see the, the sphere, the new yeah, sphere, which is, amazing, looks yeah. cool and yeah, yeah. go see you two um, in concert. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think we have to go to Vegas. We have to watch the game, yeah. have a few, have many more than one of these. Um <laughs> And uh, and not care about the outcome and just sit and chitter chat about all things, all the things, right? So we're in Vegas, and they did a great job with the Formula One. So I'm sure that it's going to be an amazing exactly. thing there, yeah. Um, and that and that ball thingy, right? So and and so um, during halftime or all the stoppages that you have, and we're not marveling at the ads, which is what you're supposed to do. And conversation turns to marketing, as it often does with us. What are we talking about this week? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the creative process, um, which I think is a really interesting, it's an interesting time for us to think about the the creative process because, and especially as it pertains to marketing, because this is of course a weekend filled with big ideas, right? That get tried out, you know, that, you know, literally trotted out in front of the millions of people who will watch the game Mm and, Brands spend millions of dollars for a few seconds of airtime with their biggest, most creative, most out-of-the-box ideas trying to make a mark. And it's interesting because the what I've noticed is that there is a very – these days, and this is maybe especially true in B2B marketing, but I see it in B2C marketing as well, where the content teams themselves, the creative and marketing and content teams – they're usually structured in a very linear creative idea supply chain, right? In other words, most people on that team are never sourced for a creative out-of-the-box idea. The the idea itself is usually generated further upstream. Right. It's either generated by an agency that we have on record. It might be generated by our CMO. It might be generated by a VP. It might be generated from some creative you know, super genius that we have locked up in the basement. Um, whoever it is, someone comes up with the idea that we're going to do. Yeah. And and maybe it's good, maybe it's not. But typically what happens is, is that it starts to trickle through this sort of linear supply chain. And basically it starts to get watered down, right? Mm-hmm. And by the time that it gets to, and and by the way, it may not not necessarily watered down by the practitioners. It may be the practitioners who come up with the idea, and then the leaders water it down. But basically, mm-hmm. because it goes through this linear type of uh, supply chain of creativity, the creative process, by the time it gets to actual expression, it's usually sort of a 
average data driven incremental sort of, <laughs> yes, this is the safe thing we should be saying. Yeah, yeah. And even by the way, and this was a fascinating question I actually got from a client uh, a couple of weeks ago, they were frustrated because they actually said to their team, they actually went out to the team and went, Hey, we want your cool out of the box, get energized idea, right? You know, we want you to be pumped up and get some cool mm. innovation or creativity. But because we're so locked into this sort of factory supply chain of creative process idea, those people not only can't really come up, they don't feel like it's their place. Right. Um, because they also know that if they throw something up the, you know, the supply chain, it's very likely to get turned down or watered down by the time it gets back to them. So how do you do that? Like, how do you, how do you solve that? Like where there literally is no room for the creativity because we're so busy doing the expression of ideas that come in from, you know, sort of the incremental, incrementally better idea. And one of the things that I have found to be helpful here is that what we tend to do, and this is true across big or small teams, you know, uh, and I don't, it, 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 it typically often happens with smaller teams because smaller teams will tend to outsource anything new or innovative or cool or weird or out of the box or basically they can't see, you know, they're unable to get out of their own way of the things that, you know, making the donuts every day, you know, fixing the widgets, <laughs> doing the SEO, doing the search yeah. engine marketing, doing the email marketing. And so they go, oh, we want to do something cool. We should bring in an external source to do that, right? Yeah. To help us see the way, see, you know, break yeah. us up, right? And it, now that's not always a bad choice, right? It's bringing in somebody extra to help break the patterns of what you do can be really good. It can be very helpful to sort of throw a, you know, literally throw a monkey wrench into your mechanics so that you are forced to break something. However, one of the things that I've seen be really helpful, and again, this is really, really directed at smaller teams is instead of that knee jerk reaction to say, oh, let's bring in somebody new to do the new thing. What it is, is like, no, we have to make room for new. We have to make room for the creative, the, the weird, the innovative. And so outsourcing the mechanics is the thing to do. In other words, if you're a small team and you're working on marketing and blah, 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 yeah. and you want to do something new, you need to make room for it. You have to make room for doing those new things. And so instead of making room by bringing somebody external in, yeah. make room by forcing, literally forcing those people on your team to outsource the mechanics of the things that they do every day. Right. And the reason that that's good is because we can know how to do it. In other words, we can teach an agency or a freelancer or someone how to do it. Um, but then we can say, and we know if it's being done well because we've been doing it for so long, you know, we've been mm -hmm mechanics on our own car for so long <laughs> that we know exactly what needs to get turned and twisted and all of that to, to make that work. That forces us to create a void. Mm. And that forced creative void helps us pull in things that are weird and out of the box and big ideas and innovative. Now, there's a catch to all of that. <laughs> and the catch is, is that in order to do that, 
you have to understand what your widget making process is. In other words, you can't just go, I don't know. We kind of make content that just sort of happens and it's ad hoc and uh, I don't know. You've got to map it. You've got to understand that process yeah. so that you know what parts are the widget making processes so that you can outsource the right things, make room for the new things. And that's basically the, you know, the, the key is understanding where you are in that mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. Then identify the widgets or the, the mechanics that you can outsource to force you to create a void that you can fill with something new or innovative or interesting or a change in the way that you do things. And that might be a way for even smaller teams with limited budgets to get that sort of big, weird yeah, idea yeah. that we see so often on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, no, I, 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 I mean, there's so many questions in my mind forming around this idea. The first one is, uh, you're talking about um, the sort of two ends of the spectrum in terms of getting ex external help in. One is, is the big ideas agency, and the other one is the doers that can get shit done in a practical sense to allow you to have the big ideas. But also, I really like that process you were talking about there about understanding what your process is so you know which bits where your weaknesses are and where you can and also not just where your weaknesses are but knowing you understand your process so you can outsource it so you know how to measure it and you know what's needed to be done imagine getting that done by an external agency would be highly valuable isn't it to get some external to come in and say well this is your process you know do you know what i mean yeah that i mean yeah, that can yeah. be helpful right yeah, that can yeah. absolutely be helpful is to have an yeah. outside view yeah. to help you see the forest for the trees, yes. you know, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and to say, and to walk through that product, that can be very, very helpful yeah. indeed. Yeah. And, and the key is that it's a big, scary thing to do, right? Mm. Because, you know, you look at your team and if you were to, you know, have your team sort of list out all of their tasks, mm -hmm. right? On a weekly, yeah. monthly, quarterly basis, the things that they sort of that fill their day full mm. of stuff. And that basically don't make room because their jar is, you know, their proverbial jar is filled with these tasks. Mm. They don't have room for thinking about anything weird. Right. And so if you, if you then start to go, if you suggest, and this is, by the way, uncomfortable for both the teams and leadership mm -hmm. to say, you know, Joanne or Bob or Mary or whoever, their jar is filled with these rote tasks that they do. Yeah. They, they simply have no room to think creatively or out of the box or, or change up the way that we're doing things. And I can't ask them for that because they're too busy doing the other things. And so, but the tension is if I want to outsource that, the immediate reaction is, well, we have somebody doing that, right? And they're doing a great job at it. Why would we outsource something that someone is doing very well and, and by the way, this is the same tension from the practitioner themselves, right? The practitioner go, I, that's my job. I do yeah, that really well. I know how yeah, to do that. That's, yeah, that's my, that's my thing. Yeah. And what the answer can be, it's, at least it's an opportunity to think about is that you say to that practitioner, yes, I know you do that job amazingly well, and I want to pull it away from you so that you have time to do new, interesting things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's the that's the hard thing to it's a it's it's not easy yeah. but it, no. but it can really pay dividends because those people are typically they're close to the business they have yeah. creative capabilities they have innovative capabilities but they're so filled doing the rote tasks yeah. that they just they they can't make room for anything new yeah no I love that and I think it's such an individual thing I mean like 
Um, I remember a billion years ago when I was pre-sales selling CMS and I, I stood up in front of the room and saying, you don't need to code HTML anymore. And somebody at the back of the room, this lady went, I quite like doing that. <laughs> so, right, that's right. You need to be slightly sensitive to that. But also what I like here is the... Um, it is is this idea of of removing the the daily drudgery and also discovering who your stars are, and I would imagine that that is going to really help you with the retention of your team, the engagement of your team, and and the the whole dynamic of how that works. In that, you know, so often or a few times in my career, we've worked with a creative agency, and you look at the work they're doing and the way they're sitting, thinking, and they're doing their mood boards and all that kind of stuff. You're looking at them, going, "I want to do that." I don't want to be doing all this shit stuff I have to do every day. I want to be the one sitting in the mood boards and doing all that. So I imagine there's probably a lot of latent creativity within our marketing teams that look at the people that are allowed to sit around and think about stuff and think, I want to do that. I love it. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But you've got to understand, you know, the, Mm. the, the, the key Mm. is not just because the, the, the other side of that coin, right? There, yes. You know, there's two sides of that coin that need to be taken care of. And the other, and we talked about one just now, which is the tension that exists with, I'm good at that. I know how to yeah. do that. Yeah. And if you take it away from me, I'll be doing something that I don't know how to do and that is yeah. innovative and weird and new, and I might fail at it. Yeah. And they're scared for their job and, mm. and probably have every right to be. And so you have to, so that gets to the other side of the coin, which is you've got to get, headroom Mm. from your leadership from your budget from your you know because yeah they might they might not they might not come up with the amazing creative thing they might not be able to do the new and innovative thing they might not be able to there is a risk involved with forcibly removing the rote and making room for the new Mm -hmm. that is that is a hard thing to do even if they have that latent talent, right? Even if they have that latent skill and and have been bugging you for, you know, months to say, <laughs> I want to do this, I want to do this, I yeah. want to do this because, but, you know, I see the agency doing it. We could totally do that in-house. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and it's hard. So you've, as a leader, as a manager mm-hmm. of those people, you've got to go build in the permission, clear the, you know, clear the runway, as it were, yeah. for them to, for to, tr- to try that, right? Oh, absolutely. And and that appetite for change is such an individual thing, the thing you mentioned just then, because that's what it's about, isn't it? It's about it's about having a, a an appetite and a and a um uh an aspiration for change. Um and that you're not scared that, you know, like you say, you know, oh but I do I've done this for years and this is a change to my job and, and that's something you need to work as a manager through, don't you? I think yeah. Yeah. It's 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 looking at it like you know you have you have a team of people mm-hmm. and you're trying to evolve them right yes and in order to evolve them to become as a team not just individually but as a team you know mm. you have to evolve the team to do more valuable things for the business right yes. and and innovation and change and thinking outside the box and creativity and you know, independent, by the way, of your practice, right? You might be a, 
a, a, a designer, you might be a writer, you might be a, a an analyst, you might be a, a measurement person, but mm-hmm. that creativity and that talent needs to evolve. And it won't evolve if all you do is the same mechanical thing along that yeah. creative supply chain every day, all day, every day. You're not evolving the team. Yeah. You're keeping the team in a very staid place. Yeah. And so when you replace people, then what you're doing is you're just replacing a widget in a machine. You're not actually <laughs> making the team better over time and sometimes the only way you can make a team better over time is to remove the widget making and forcibly insert something new so that they they have to evolve they have to grow yeah yeah and the widget making are the teachable things right the insight into your business and you know all of that good culture stuff you you can't teach right you can't outsource that you can't outsource your thoughts and feelings you can outsource you know, creating it. You, you, you can, and many people yeah. do, right? Yeah. But the, oh, but the question yeah. is, is whether you're getting the best result yes. out of that, yeah. right? All right. Yes. So if people are looking to, uh, well, I mean, there is, I know there's a, there's a website that's going through an evolution at the moment. If people are looking to get inspired to, um, to make this sort of change, where might they find some content about that, Robert? Uh, they can do that at our wonderful new website <laughs> yeah. at contentadvisory.net, um, where we have our thinking and our blogging and our emails and our webinars and all sorts of wonderful all the things. things yeah all the things and you did a you did a webinar the other day that was great i think it was week before last um i'm sure there's a link to it on your website i would um i would, uh, and we've been promoting it a little bit and i i suggest anybody goes and has a look at that and you and kathy talking on that and when we spin the dial on the interwebs and we want to find you robert where are we going to do that you'll find me primarily on linkedin these days mm-hmm. so i'm i've been enjoying linkedin and uh, on threads i've i've yes. i've started to really notice a big uptick on threads so i've been uh i've been i've been hanging out there a lot there's some there's some really good quality conversation going on on threads Absolutely. yeah it's hard to um capture that 2009 twitter thing that i think we're all chasing and it's <laughs> well and it's also hard to remember right it's a, it's, it's, one, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's a new you know talk about making room for the new right yeah how do you you know you got to make room for the new to go in and remember you know because it's yeah. not available through your yeah. you know your 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 uh you know your your automation no, software exactly. so you've yeah. got to actually go in and participate in threads yeah yeah all right mate well i'll see you over on threads and linkedin i hope my listeners do as well but also um more important for more importantly for me selfishly you're gonna be in the bar next week of course i'll see you then mate. Thank you, Robert. Really interesting topic there. We could have talked about that for ages, about what external help you bring into your marketing team. Maybe we should let our team be creative and get other folks in to do the day-to-day work. So that's a wrap on episode 204 of the Rockstar CMO Ethic Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks to Jeff and Robert for sharing their insights. You can find links to them, their work, and the things we discussed in the show notes on rockstarcmo.com, along with our blog, newsletter, and all of our previous episodes. Thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. I'd love to hear from you. So please say hello or drop a rating or review in your favorite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff and I will be chatting about my current journey with writing a book or I've just seen some great data on B2B marketing that I might pop into our conversation. So we might discuss that instead. And as you heard, Robert will be back in the virtual bar with a fresh marketing thought. Until then, have a great week. 
I hope you're going to join us here next week on Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.